Welcome to Because. I'm your host, Mark Zyla. This week, we have on the show composer Matthew Jackford, who is also a classical music host for West Virginia Public Broadcasting in Charleston, West Virginia. Matt and I have kind of run around in the same circles, both growing up in West Virginia and attending West Virginia University, but we never really got to know each other uh, all that much, and so it was awesome to sit down with Matt and kind of talk about West Virginia a little bit, what uh, his career has looked like, and his work as a fellow radio host down in Charleston. So this is part one, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's start with where where are you from in West Virginia? Um, I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. Um, grew up, born and raised here, um, but then went to WVU in Morgantown. Mm-hmm. Um, went we'll get to, to China. all that stuff. We got to let yeah. that. We got to let this story slow play. So we'll get to all that kind of stuff. But so Charleston, okay. West Virginia. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about Charleston. Just uh, wh- what kind of town it is. Obviously, I know a lot about it. But, uh, <laughs> You're not telling me. <laughs> right, right. Charleston, you know, is the, uh, well, it's the big city of West Virginia, but um, it's a relatively smaller town. But um, if you actually like zoom out a little bit and, and look into the metro area, it's like 300,000, but Charleston proper is like less than 50,000. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, um, you know, small town feel, but, um, you know, there's a lot of cool things going around here, like West Virginia Symphony Orchestra is, you know, top notch and, um, we have some great venues, some, you know, including the Clay Center. Um, and, you know, there's some new happening spots in town. We got some new breweries coming in here. Um, and, you know, it's close to Fayetteville, which is our nation's newest national park in the New River Gorge. Um, Mark Zyla's favorite vacation spot. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just try, just try rafting down the New River, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so let's, let's get into your, your music story here. Um, so is music part of your household? Like, are your parents involved in music or were you kind of just like the weird kid who who decided that this was your Bingo. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, everybody like had music, like a little bit, like my parents always had us all do like band a little bit, like, mm-hmm. and oh, to some varying degrees, you know, we took it so far. Like my brother did it for a few years. My sister did it for a couple of years. Um, <clears throat> one of my, I think my oldest sister is a majorette. Um, and then I did band. I didn't think I was going to, my mom was like, no, you're doing the band. Like go get it. Here's a, here's a trumpet. <laughs> And so that's what happened in sixth grade. I didn't think I was even going to do band, but, um, and then I started playing, you know, the trumpet, um, in sixth grade, um, and then went to middle school, um, and continued trumpet there. But then I moved to tuba because, you know, I wanted to change it up and thought it would Mm -hmm. be something interesting. Which schools Um, were you at down in Charleston? Uh, elementary was Overbrook. Um, and then I went to John Adams, Mm-hmm. for middle school and then George Washington High School 
Um, and that band GW. You know, is the top top notch of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did Tuba and John Adams and then moved to, you know, that was too big. And then I found the Goldilocks instrument of the euphonium. And right. And that was just right. So like that's what I did in between. high school. <laughs> right, exactly. So that trumpet, that's too high. Tuba, that's too low. But, Very but cool. euphonium is just right. So um, so I worked on that and, and played euphonium for four years and did it in college at WVU. Mm-hmm. Um, and also picked up the piano there. Um, but it wasn't until my last year of high school that I started writing music and actually okay. took a took my band director's copy of Finale and mm-hmm. just <laughs> kind of took it from him and, and started using it at home and uh, use it to write just my own compositions because it let you let it play back for you and right. you had to hear what you played mm-hmm. uh, and that always fascinated me. Um, so that was just because I was like you know not great at like piano at that time so. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a way to be able to write and hear it back like instantly. Um, and that way I was able to build compositions um, through that program. Um, and was and, it with, with that, did you kind of have an idea of where you were starting or was it a lot of like drag and drop on the score and see what this sounds like? Kind of, yeah, like just that. playing in the sandbox, just playing mm-hmm. around with stuff and mm-hmm. seeing what worked and what didn't. And you know, I I thought at that time, you know, I was a senior in high school. I was going to go to, I went to West Virginia University and and I enrolled as a biology major. I wasn't uh, okay going to go into music at all. And and mm-hmm. my whole family is like dentists and medical related fields. Okay. Um, my dad was an oral surgeon. Uh, my brother went to dental school. Our sister's an orthodontist, and uh, <laughs> my other sister's a nurse. And you know, so I was like, okay, I'll just do that, and then. Um, when I started writing music and I was like doing that instead of my biology homework is when I realized I was like, well, maybe I should just do this, get credit for it. Um, if I still want to go to med school, I can, apparently, you know, you can still, you don't have to be a science major. Um, and sometimes they like the well-roundedness of that. Um, so I did that, you know, and fooled my mom to telling her that I was still going to go to med school and then, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then like two years into like midway through my sophomore year, I was like, I'm just going to change my major and go full into composition. Cause I, um, you know, started meeting up with Dr. Beal, Dr. John Beal, who was the professor of composition up there. Right. And he started, you know, he was really, um, positive about my music and encouraged me to continue to write and to take it on full time. And, mm-hmm. Um, and so, that's when I decided to switch. Did you, um, like in those first two years, you said you, you, you were around Beal. Were you taking lessons at that point or was it, you were just kind of writing music as a hobby and were able to share that with him at some point to, t- to start the conversation about switching over to be a comp major? Right. So I started, I did music minor. Like I had started doing, like, I took the theory classes at 8 a.m., which are brutal, right. <laughs> brutally early for a freshman. 100%. <laughs> and like, um, I, you, you probably missed out on, um, well, when I was in school, I was there 03 through 07. And uh, all of the music students were on the same floor of towers. Uh-huh, and. Okay. So it was funny because like at like 15 till eight, 
you see like this line of all the freshmen and it's oh, like the PRT's you're, probably you're, clogged up right and, then, and it's like you see like two or three people who aren't there routinely and you're like we're not gonna see them next term <laughs> right 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 <laughs> exactly like it is definitely a weeding out process like there's right. no doubt about that like you know, made it that early to like to make you jump through those hoops. But then you get into the business and it's like rare to find a classical musician who's like itching for that 8 a.m. rehearsal. It's like no, nothing no. before 10, 10 a.m. Absolutely not. <laughs> Nobody rehearses that early. Unless it's like a church gig and you have to like rehearse right, right. before. That's like the only time <laughs> any musicians will, will rehearse that early or will have any concerts that early. It's all a nighttime thing. Like, right. That's but when I write are... my music. That's when I... Yeah, but boy, are you gonna get up in the morning for theory class? Oh, you have to. And participation is part of the grade. If you don't show up, you're you get you know a letter grade dropped and stuff. Right. And so you got to be there 8 a.m. You have like these sightseeing tests. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what you did the night before. You have an 8 a.m. sightseeing test. Did you have to start soul fashion? Did you have David Taddy? I did. Um, I had him for more advanced theory. That was fortunately a little later in the day. And then I had mm-hmm. him um, for electronic music. You know, I had him for more reasonable times. Right. I had him for both written and oral theory. And mm. so it was like my first semester was like 100% David Taddy, 8 a.m. Oh, gosh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so the, 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 uh, the uh, double Taddy experience there. Right, exactly. So um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about this transition from like biology into music full-time in terms of like uh, was it something that within your discussions with um dr beale that the the actual degree itself the immersion in it was going to be like helpful to you or was this really kind of a thing where it's like i can't imagine myself doing something else so why am i going to keep my foot in this biology world right it was yeah it was like kind of both i mean it's like i was writing as a hobby you know i was doing on the side i was a minor as i said in music and then um you know with talks with him and other composition students i've known tim cooper who was a graduate of um, fellow graduate um, he was in my in my grade Yep. Yeah. And went to debut and he, he encouraged me as well. And, um, you know, they were both were like, wow, you're like writing on your, this, these kind of pieces on your own without any, uh, lessons or any, any of that. And, um, he, Dr. Beal definitely took me and, and was like, you know, you can pursue full time and be immersed in this and, and grow into, a, um, even better composition, uh, composer. And, um, you know, my mom was a little like, nervous at the time about it um of course she's very supportive now um <laughs> so that took some convincing of her i remember they had some emailing back and forth um mm-hmm. and um he was like well you know we can put you through these lessons and do these assignments and you know really start you in the right way here um you know and and i remember showing keith jackson as well like my music I was actually the first person I showed because he was, I didn't know the composition teacher and he was the one who took me down the hall immediately to Dr. Beale's office. And was right. Like, you need to show him um, what you've done. So, cause you had lessons with, um, with him in the upstairs office, right? Right. Yep. Right. He used to be down in the, in the basement basement. Yeah. He moved on up. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And he's, he's doing very well there now too. Um, so, yeah, he was the one who took me down the 
call to Dr. Beal's office. And, and then Dr. Beal is the one who really encouraged me to um, take it full time and mm -hmm. to really immerse myself and then and then find a grad school as well afterwards when we are done with mm -hmm. our four years there. So talk to me a little bit about what the studio environment was like as a composition student at West Virginia, because we've we've interviewed several composers and I'm seeing uh, whereas like I think before I started to talk to composers, I felt like it was a very like personal individual thing. And I've found there are some composition studios that are very much individualistic. Was WVU one where they where it, they tried to make a group out of it, or is is the learning of composition kind of a sole individualistic kind of of path? Um, I think I mean a little bit of both, but um, Dr. Beal is really good about you know having one on one lessons, but then having studio class where we would all meet um, and requiring, you know, everybody to support their fellow composers in their, um, you know, senior recitals or uh, the composition concerts. Um, or I remember taking trips to Pittsburgh to support, um, I think actually Tim had a piece uh, with the Pittsburgh Symphony and oh, well, we would yeah. all go up to Pittsburgh to support him. Um, and that's the same would happen to me. And when, when I got selected for that, everybody came up. So we all support, Supported each other you right. know composition isn't in a vacuum and there's a lot of people who think it's the sole composer it's just the one guy um mm -hmm. doing all this but it's you know you're really not i mean it's based on sounds you hear on uh, talks you have uh with other people it's you know can be shaped by uh comments and criticisms and um, studio class where you present your works. That was always such a big important thing was to have composer comments right. um, on your music and just see how everybody else felt about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not in a vacuum at all. I mean, um, you know, like take the music of John Williams. I mean, you can tell the origins of that. Like it's great music, um, but right. you can tell a lot of the origins of where that came from. Like Jaws from Dvorak, you know, and right. Um, and uh, E.T. is from Howard Hansen. And, um, Dude, and I find, uh, you know, because here in the Quad Cities Symphony, we've been doing those movie concerts with the live soundtrack to projected movie. Yeah. And it's like when you play things, at least for me, like you even find other little snippets. Like uh, we just right. did um, Beauty and the Beast, and it's incredible to me how much like quoting of Sasson there is and Faure yeah, and stuff right. and it, and which is like French really 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 um smart on the composer's end because it's a French story French music yeah beautiful it's great yeah it's great how it works together I mean that's and that's and it makes it nerds is. like us get excited <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah right you can nerd out to this stuff or you find these little easter eggs right um you know within the music and um that's the thing I mean composers if they live in a vacuum if they are just the sole person then a lot of times their music is very disconnected from what people enjoy and what they like and i think you know honestly i think some of the composers in the 20th century later you know second half of the 20th century may have gotten away from writing um for audiences right um, and you know became sole composers in their own laboratories and doing things which they made some um remarkable music but it may not have connected very well with um, the modern society. And I think in a way classical music may have lost a step during that right. time and is mm -hmm. coming back. 
these yeah, days. Yeah, it seems like more of like a an intellectual pursuit as opposed yeah. to a like an aural or emotional pursuit. Right, right. So that's you know that's always important to me, and that's been instilled in me since the days at WVU with Dr. Beal um, to make sure that you are part of community, that you're part of com- uh, your fellow composers who can help you, and you can ask them questions, and they can you can take comments from them. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and support each other. And, you know, because we're all part of, you know, the same, we're all in the same ocean here as high water will re- raise all ships. And right. Um, so it's important to support your fellow composers. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what your composition degree looked like in your senior year and like what was going on in your mind. I remember my senior year at, at West Virginia it was like, I started thinking in my junior year that the the move to Pittsburgh was going to happen mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, get a master's degree with uh, someone who played in the Pittsburgh Symphony. But yeah. for you, like, what kind of career goals did you start to have at that point, and how did school play into that, and all those types of things? Right, Dr. Beal really encouraged me to go to grad school, um, and mm-hmm. that was a year that I got a Pittsburgh Symphony. Um, got the Pittsburgh Symphony reading, which was awesome. Uh, I had a senior recital, I had um, performance by the WVU Symphony and Wind Symphony, um, and had some readings with them. And then um, he really pushed me to get a master's. Um, and a fellow student uh, who had just graduated, Zachary Wilson, actually went to UT in Austin and mm-hmm. was telling me all about how, like, he really liked the program. There's like five teachers there and there's, you know, a bunch of composers, a lot of opportunities, um, great performers. Um, and so that was one of the schools that I looked into um, was because he had gone there and, and created a great name and um, and really recommended it highly mm-hmm. to me. So um, that was one of the four schools I applied to. Um, and was um, your teacher there, Russell Pinkston? Yeah, one of them was Russell with the, he was the electronic guru and he taught me yeah, yeah. Max MSP, uh, Super Colliders, one of the programming languages mm-hmm. of sound. I mean, just all sorts of great electronic um, music, music stuff. So, uh, yeah, he was one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what, uh, let's go down to Austin. Tell us about Austin um, and what is it like? Because it, you know, I've never been, but as I read about it or see what's going on down there, it seems like it is a hotbed for creativity and a lot yeah. of things to do. And and how did that really like feed your your master's degree? Yeah, one of the greatest music scenes, top to bottom, from classical to pop to everything in between. Um, and you know, awesome. You know, they say keep awesome weird, but I just did a half a year in China. So I okay. <laughs> also was very normal to me uh-huh. <laughs> coming back to coming back there. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was a, um, you know, it was, I was in a different environment, you know, um, for me, you know, I had to adapt to it, of course, um, right. moving to somewhere where I didn't really know very many people, but I did have some friends there and I met um, some composition students that were really fun and cool. And I still keep up with to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music scene, I mean, it's just um, it's just incredible. I mean, you can go like to Zilker Park just down the road, and, and you know, I saw like Jack White there and the Black Keys and mm-hmm. uh, Neil Young at Austin City Limits and uh, the Flaming Lips, and um, or you know, just in that same area is you know where the Hall, where 
the symphony plays and you can go watch the Austin symphony orchestra, uh, right. which is great. Um, and Conspirare, which is a great vocal group. Wow. Um, and, um, and then the school itself, uh, there's, there were five composition teachers all had different varying, um, skill sets and what they were, you know, what they had to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had great electronic studios, um, that you could use and access. Um, and then there, uh, also had a lot of composer readings, which is great. Like the wind ensemble and the symphony would read through your music and it would just sound like, you know, like pretty close to what you wrote. So, right. <laughs> um, the reading sessions were really important you get a good right. recording out of it. You can edit it or you can pass it along to, um, com- conductors and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, you know, super important for me. Um, and um, those opportunities were great. I, I took advantage of as many reading sessions as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if you had a piece that was good enough, you could get performed by one of those ensembles or um, the choirs were great there too, I remember. Um, and then I ended up actually uh, being named director of a extracurricular choir there called Collegium Musicum. Oh, cool. And uh, it's still going to this day. Um, mm-hmm. And so I directed that for a year. Um, was it was cool? Was did this Collegium Musicum stay in like early music? Right. So it okay. was it was interesting. The uh, founding guy um, had a real interest in early music and modern music. So okay. it was like centuries apart of music. So it was like so we kept that tradition alive. So they, right. I, I wrote a piece for them that they played a couple pieces actually, and then. Um, and then we also played, you know, like Tal- Thomas Tallis and mm-hmm. um, and Dufay and all mm-hmm. these other like really early composers, um, which music is just beautiful. And it's, it's so different, the sonorities, but it still translates well today. For sure. Um, that was an ensemble that kind of sadly say wasn't at WVU anymore when we became students. Because yeah. when she was in school in the 70s, like the Collegium Musicum was like the top, like selected vocal group. And they had a set of all those early instruments as well. So people were learning to play crumb horn and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, which would have been totally awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that stuff. It, it's one of those things where it's like, if I ever find time to get good enough at another instrument, I would love to get really good at like recorder so I could play. Yeah. In a consort or something. <laughs> or loot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get wild at loot. <laughs> yeah. Because it's produced by Mark Zyla and Jaron Michelle in the studios of WVIK Quad Cities NPR. Thank you for listening to this episode. Because I read Because by Mo Willems, illustrated by Amber Wren, I wanted to learn the becauses of people I admire. Do me a favor and thank someone in your own Because story and join us next time on Because.